But the same, it's the same scene. It's the exact same scene. It's just, it's, it's the exact same artist, it, but the brush that it moves it and expresses through will produce a different appearance or a different effect of an experience or of a life. But basically, it's the same scene. You know, the same thing that's looking out of a cat's eyes like looking out of our eyes. Yeah. And if we had eight eyes, it would be looking out of eight eyes. If we had a cyclop eye, it would be one eye. It's not, it has no, it's not like, oh, oh, you've got too many eyes and you can't see anymore. Four is the quota. No, if you had 12 eyes, they'd be seeing through 12 little gates. If you had 30 sense gates, there'd be 30 sense experiences. Yeah. If there was only one, there'd be one sense experience. It's not the, the what's seeing or what's initiating what we call an experience isn't defined by how it's getting initiated or how it's being translated. Like through the eye, it's translated as vision. Through this bony thing, the ear, it's translated as audio. Yeah. But the translation, yeah, that's the, it's the same language being translated in so many different ways. Maybe to obscure the source of the language, which is the seeing. Who knows? But it seems to be doing a damn good job. Can you imagine if we had 20 senses? We'd be fucking forever lost. Yeah, at least we have five gates that we can check out. All right, take my vision as far back as I can. The eye can't turn around and look at the eye, so what does that imply? <laughs> take the sound and take it all the way back to the closest, quote-unquote, sound that you can hear, and yet you're still prior to it, hearing it. <laughs> I mean, this must imply something. When you... When you when, when you're brought to a point, that's not the point. The point is a jumping off place. The point is brought to, you're brought to a point not to establish a religion on that point or something, or a dog or a belief, but to let, what does the point imply? Yeah, so... Like the Course in Miracles point isn't, oh, you're seeing everything, you're giving everything all the meaning it has. That's not the point. That's the starting point. All right. Like a, like a, a diving board. What would that imply? Yeah. Could I, could I corral it with, all right, I'm giving everything all the meaning it has. I'm God, I knew it. You know, I'm God as his body and this and that. But maybe, doesn't it feel like you have a meaning that's been given to this, called me? I mean, so how could you be that which is giving all meaning when you're walking around as a meaning? That's entertaining. That's what I imply when I'm saying entertain. Don't take it at face value. See the real value that's inside by its triggering mind. Bigger mind to entertain. And to go farther than the book will ever fucking take you. The script, the scripture, if it's worth its salt, the little sentence is a touchstone. What enlarges the scripture isn't the scripture. You don't need 800 more pages to enlarge on that thing. It's the mind that seems to be reading the scripture. That's the scripture. What makes that statement, quote-unquote, holy is not the statement. It's the mind that's entertaining. 
That's our role here. We're giving meaning to everything. And yet we're walking around with that evidence. I mean, look at a subjective experience. I mean, take it as the most mundane level. Yeah? All of us seem to be at this quote-unquote event, but when we have the event in our framing, it's all going to be different than the other people who had the event. So did the event have us, or do we have an event? We have an event, yeah. What does that imply? It implies there's something going on that there's a meaning that's being given to everything. And that which it believes it can be giving the meaning to things, if it, if it sees that statement, you and I have given everything all the meaning it has, you have to realize the you and I they're talking about isn't the me that we're talking about. The me as being a body. Because the body's been given a meaning. Yes, hasn't it? So, the you and I isn't you and I as Paul and Jim, or Paul and Mary. It's about you and I as that, which is what? Giving everything all the meaning it has. And we'll see, oh, we'll, we'll cop to, all right, I give, you know, I gave that person a meeting and now they've left and now I've given, you know, we get, we, we have, we, we'll own up to the tiniest little example of it. And even if we get to a huge example of it, we're still exempted. We don't see that the feeling you have about this is a meaning that's being given. How did, how did the mind make a leap from body recognition into me. <laughs> That's a huge meaning. Yeah? The body recognition is like recognizing a chair, recognizing this, recognizing that. How does the mind finally say that this, which is as easily recognized as a chair, as a tree, as a, as a wall, is something different because of what's moving through this itself, the mind itself? The mind itself forgets itself, and it takes what it's moving through to be the one that's doing this. Yeah? What the mental state sure does. The mental state definitely claims you to have the ability of that which can only have the ability of giving everything all the meaning it has, which is mine. And it's given it to you. Yeah? And all the while that you're conducting or transferring or trans... or relay meaning to things, you miss that this has been given a meaning. Called me. The most obvious, if you would take it back, and see what happens is, it gets taken back, and then there's this like, pre-programmed stopping point, which is here. Me. The body. Why not just maybe suspend that little hiccup, and see what happens. Where would you go? you would go beyond the body, and you would still be there. And in that, what would that imply? Or actually, like a freaking avalanche of a download, it, would, it could imply that you're not a body. And then while 
this as a body keeps having experiences and huge, 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 huge notes on history and everything else like that, you would maybe, just maybe, travel lighter through it all. Yeah? And you would see, after a period of time of traveling later, that's the most valuable gift that ever can be anointed here, is the gift of traveling later, because it sure looks like we can travel fucking heavy here. You know? There's people who are just as bummed out, just as flipped out, as the people on 6th and Market at Lincoln 7th. They may have better insulation than the cardboard box someone's sleeping in, but their mental state is running wild over them. I've never... You want to negate eight jaguars in the garage? Just have a couple of thoughts held as mine. (laughs) Those thoughts can negate the eight jaguars like that. You know what I mean? The lovely wife won't be enough. That's an incredible power. But does the power come from the thought? Or does it come, or is it given to the thought through the bridge of mind? From a a mind identified as a body now gives tons of meaning, tons of juice to thoughts being held as mine. Where it doesn't give much juice to thoughts being held as yours. The incredible difference of a thought held in your head that's driving you crazy and you try to explain to me and try to have me have empathy and I attempt to, but I can't see it, feel it, taste it, and touch it. The same thought held as mine could be working one is the same way in this little stage. Is it the thought? Literally, is it the thought that's doing it? My thoughts are driving me crazy. Yeah, the thoughts are being used. Yeah, but it's the mind that allows the thoughts to drive one crazy. Without the mind, the thoughts would be neutered. They would just be objects, but they'd be mental objects, just like fucking physical objects. Does a chair drive you fucking crazy? Maybe if it's uncomfortable, then you can get up. And because you don't pledge allegiance, it's like if it sucks, it's a lousy thing. You're going to break the my chair and just say that chair first, first a the chair, which will give you a little more freedom, and then the chair will be thrown out to goodwill. But what happens with thoughts? I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen the effects, and I've seen the lack of effects. I have. I've seen a huge amount of effects brought about by thoughts and feelings, and I've seen the incredible lessening of the effects brought about thoughts and feelings. And I saw what was seemingly in place when the thoughts and feelings had huge dominion over this event, and then I also saw what was absent when they don't have dominion over this event. And I could put it in the simplest scripture of all time, it's even less than I am, which is mine. M-Y. 
The mind was what allowed power from the only source of power there is, voila, us, to a system, a mental system called the thought system. That thought system has been given power by us through the bridge or through the conduit or through the access point of mind. Yeah? If you want relief from thoughts, look at the mind. If you want relief from feelings or you want to change your feelings, maybe the best way to change your feeling is not trying to change it, but losing interest in the feeling. And the way, how are you going to lose interest if they're yours? Exactly. <laughs> if you try to lose interest in feelings as yours, that will be a, <laughs> a very interested feeling you're engaged with. But when the backdoor way is you just lose interest in the mind. Yeah? You lose interest in it. You've seen, you've seen it. You've seen its effects. You don't need 80 years of examples. One example of a, a mental hell is more than enough. But some of us, we're fucking sadists or whatever, massive, we just want tons. All right, have tons of them. But basically, the same revelation will occur by seeing one thought preceded by mine or going over 8,000 thoughts preceded by mine. The weight isn't in the thought, it's in the mind. Same thing with feelings. 8,000 feelings, one feeling. Same, same principle. My in front of it, woo! Can you imagine how you would travel if 8,000 thoughts appeared yeah, as a mental object to consciousness or awareness, whatever you want to call it, and that, and then they were crowned my, yeah, and then the same 8,000 thoughts, if they weren't crowned my, I have, I've seen it, and I'll tell you, the weight is monumental, the weight shift, yeah. You know, we're in a phase now in, seeing, in the world, seemingly here, of a huge wealth distribution. That's, you can have the same event up here. You see where the value has lied, given to thoughts and feelings and actions through the mind, and then when the bridge of size is blown up or weakened because you're not fucking putting any more investment of your interest and attention to that fucking mental infrastructure because you've lost interest in it because you're not the objects of the thought nor are you the subject of the thoughts. You're not the thinker and you're not the thought about it. You lose interest in it. Once the interest is withdrawn, yeah. the bridge never, not being paved over and over again, not being, you know, fucking painted like the Golden Gate Bridge over and over again, goes into disrepair, and then the thing, the power can't be distributed to the thoughts. The mind has been broken, yeah, by lack of interest. It's not even was broken, it was never there to begin with. It's a sleight of hand. There is no bridge you got to blow up. It's just the faith that it, you think the, the bridge, you know, there's very little investigation in the mind. Tons of people are pouring over the thoughts they've had. They're paying someone $300 tonight to listen to the thoughts they had today. Yeah. I, I humbly say there'd be a lot, lot more value guarded if you looked at the mind. And, oh, well, there isn't a mind. Exactly. It's an activity. 
There is, e- there is either or there ain't. Yeah? It has no existence other than what we blow into it. You want to take it to doing? All right, doing. My doing. Fuck, unbelievable. I had this incredible event when I came into recovery. 1988. They explained to me that this was a disease. Yeah. Something, and then I heard that, and I entertained it, and it sounded pretty true, because I felt like addiction was like a possession. Yeah. Something, something, some other thing had took this opportunity over, this body and this brain, and used to this transportation to get, I don't know what it wanted to get done, but it sure got a lot of shit done, yeah? So, when they told me it was a disease, it, it opened up a possibility that, Jesus Christ, maybe I'm not responsible for the actions that happen while under the influence, which it says in the first step of recovery, which is you're powerless over alcohol, and you want whatever else you want to exchange for that word, drugs, money, women, whatever. And so if you're powerless, the old example would be like you're dancing with a gorilla, and you're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. So what is that? why do they tell that story? So that a mental image of your, your inability to change what happened may come up, and then when you apply it to all that fucking behavior, that your mental state, it's like the greatest marijuana fucking ranch of all time. It's just harvesting guilt and shame over and over and over again, smoking it all fucking day, just like going over, oh, I did all the... People can be totally, totally rigid and think they know this, the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law is like freedom. If you saw, if you had a download of what powerless means, maybe you would be let off that fucking hook of being the doer. Yeah? At least in that section of your life while you were under the influence. And maybe when you saw that you had nothing really to do with any of that, that idea would expand, expand to you never had a fucking anything to do with anything. It doesn't stop there. Oh, well, I'm totally, totally responsible for everything. I mean, I'm the doer of everything I'm doing now. I wasn't then, because why not expand? You've been under an influence for quite a long time. The mental state is like a fucking drug. It's giving you the drug of you or me. We're shooting it up all day. So there's a scene, all right? We're not, what are we asking for? Investigate one little, one let, two letters. My. <laughs> We're not going through, all right, everyone, turn to page 87. And the 800,000 footnotes to verify fucking some imaginary thesis. No, check it out in your own little laboratory. Yeah. While a thought's going on, which they are, aren't they, all day, why not linger at the scene of the crime, basically? Because the criminal will always come back. (laughs) You'll see the next thought is preceded by mine. And then you'll see a whole row of thoughts preceded by mine. 
Yeah. And that the mind is just more of an assumption or an impliedness. Yeah. And then suddenly, all your banks of interest and attention are freely given over to the thought. <laughs> Where you can be occupied by it for hours, days, and you'll buy a lot of shit because of it, you'll drink a lot of shit because of it, you'll smoke a lot of shit because of it. I mean, it's, fa- it's the experience or the expression of its power is huge. Do you think it was actually the thought that had so much power? Or was there a, a, a distribution of the wealth of interest and attention? The, a distribution of faith, the force of mind. And that distribution brought about the power being seemingly conveyed or driven by the thought. But the thought is just a vehicle. What would happen if you didn't, when the, when the car pulls up and you don't get in? It's like a pause, just like right now. That pause is you. You finally fucking showed up. It's never like you showed up, you've never left. But finally, the preoccupation with you and me gets weakened when you recognize what you were calling this weird little event called a pause or a moment of clarity was you, is you. (laughs) And it's always available at all times, right where you are with no requirement necessary other than the ones you've made up. Now the solution, it's immediacy, weakens the whole addiction to experience because you believe that if I do enough experiences it will lead to the experience of that, well now that is this. (laughs) It's already available at all times. And it didn't seem like I had to knock on any doors or go to any great lengths or anything. It was just a simple extraction of interest and attention by entertaining the idea I'm not what I'm thinking about all day. Nor am I the thinker of it. I'm not what's being felt about all day, nor am I the feeling of it. It's by removing an imaginary little Phantom. It's not even a removal. It's a recognition that it's only an activity. It can't, it doesn't matter how much it's doing, it can never spin itself into relevancy. It can't become anything. It can only appear to be something. We breathe reality into it. And its reality is temporal. Its reality is very, very temporary. Left alone, it's going to dissipate, just like what I found out in recovery. I found out in hindsight that most of my life was about making things that I thought were so real unreal, by reading science fiction, shooting dope, spirituality, everything. When I finally let everything that wanted to be real be as real as it wanted to be, it reveals itself to be unreal. All the while I was trying to make it unreal, I gave it, I, all the reality I am was being given to that by trying to make it unreal. Ha ha ha! Who would have known? Something was revealed? Oh, jeez, thank you. <laughs> that was about 20 years of fucking strategies based all on that. Suddenly, okay, 
Its, its obvious obsoleteness was revealed and it stopped. The horse was recognized as dead. <laughs> I got up and that's it. How does your mind feel in a dogmatic thing or a fundamental thing where there's a rigidity about something that could be so expansive? Does it feel comfortable? It never has for me. It's like that marathon runner stuffed in that closet. It's fucking, it, it will run around, that's its nature. But Jesus Christ, how much can it entertain a three by six place foot thing? I mean, are, are us as topics so, so interesting? Wow. When no one else seems to be interested? It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, you can meet billions of people, none of them really have much interest in you. But you find great interest in it. As a product, you can't even sell. Sell yourself. Who's going to buy? Maybe you had your heyday when you were on the, on the, you know, you were at the front of the store when you were 24. But now, geez, the parades passed you by in a lot of ways. Fucking like Mick Jagger says, you can't sell it on Seventh Avenue. It's fucking so. But still, the interest, the incredible. Investment of interest in something that's passing is just mind-boggling. <laughs> really is. It's passing. That should be enough to lose interest in it, in a sense. <laughs> just because of its seeming nature as coming and going should make a, a huge shift of interest occur. Because what's demonstrating itself and it just seems to intimate that it never came and it's never going. I think I'd rather pin my hopes on that than on what's, what I know is going. <laughs> I just think it makes a whole lot more sense. You know what I mean? I'd rather pay attention to what's paying attention than to pay attention to what's being paid attention to. I just would. I think it's much more interesting. <laughs> I do. I mean, shit. I mean, the warranty's going to run out soon. I mean, you're going to get bored of you soon or later. I mean, seriously. <laughs> we don't have, some of us don't have the riches to buy 20 yes people that just sing out praises all day. Maybe that would extend it a little longer. <laughs> so I found, I don't know what the hell happened, to tell you the truth. I really don't. I just remember. At one of these events, satsangs, something, it was, how it was heard, I, the best way I've always described it was like an unspoken yes, you know? It was like a sense that this was something that was knowing before all the knowing that ever happened in my life. It was just somehow, it was seemingly a part of, but not found in, so to speak, whatever. And then in that, for some reason or another, probably because I'm 
as an action figure, I have an appointment here Wednesday nights and sometimes Saturdays and get asked to fulfill other appointments. So then downloads occurred. Not so much about that, because that's, that's that. <laughs> but about what we're not. A lot of downloads about what we're not. And then sort of the... the the puzzle was, was disassembled. And by seeing, uh, by looking how it seemed to be and how it is, and then just obviously just noting what seemed to be prevalent then that isn't prevalent now, and that just maybe, maybe that had a lot to do with that seeming condition, and now it doesn't have anything to do with this condition. <laughs> You know, and as conditions go, I like this condition a lot better. So, okay, what could have that been? Well, you can't, there's no thing that's ever done it. There's no thing, but it's an activity. So the activity to me I call selfing. And like Ramana Maharshi, I'm humbly going to say this, he may, he may, he'd scold me if he saw me, I don't know, who knows. But the idea of presupposing a non-existent thing and wanting relief for that non-existent thing, which is the whole drive here, isn't it? That thing is, to me, selfing also. Selfing is that which presupposes being a non-existent thing. That's what it does. It's, it can only suppose it, but in time it presupposes it. So you feel like you were here before the last thought. Yeah. And then you feel like you'll be here when the next thought comes. That's a presupposing. What else is it? That's a presupposing of a non-existent thing. And so selfing is how, what supports that. And if you read some of the statements by devotees of Ramana, when they talk about this presupposing or this trying to get relief for a non-existent thing instead of from it, they say the problem. It's not a problem, or it's not numerically the fifth problem, or the twelfth problem. It's the problem. So in a way, the problem is this presupposing, and what is the activity that produces the presupposing? It's not like a presupposing, if it's not so, would have to be reinforced. Yeah? Like, we can presuppose there's Omaha, but then we take it, you know, a Google thing, and it seems like there's an Omaha. But this isn't, there isn't any truth in it at all, at all. So it has to be reinforced quite a lot, because the presupposing can't hold up to any inquiry. Because there's nothing there, yeah? It's an empty, hollow activity. The activity presupposes a thing, but there is no there is no there is no thing that's produced by all the presupposing. All the selfing has never produced a real thing called self. It just produces an appearance that the mind believes to be so. So the mind now takes itself to be a body, and that's what breathes life, seeming life, to the body. What gives it a sense of existence is not the thing itself, it's what's taking itself to be the thing. You let this in and see what happens. There is no back door of the mind. 
It just goes on and on and on and on and on. There's no end to it. That's why when I share these things, it's a blast because my mind just goes fucking unbelievably expansive. Just like when I say you and I are the dreamer of the dream, we forget that we're dreaming and we give everything the ability to affect us as the dreamt. Fuck! That's like unbelievable. <laughs> Just like, like <laughs> when that 12 year old girl said she liked me, it didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's looking is what you're looking for. Fucking, that's, if that, if I had a, if there's anything I have. If I heard, if I never heard anything else, that would be more than enough. And I would have, and right before that, erase everything else that was heard, that would have been more than enough. Yeah. What's looking is what you're looking for. Whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. Oh, there goes fucking. There goes a huge amount of the presupposing. Because I think I was the one that was perceiving all day. He just, I don't know who he was, maybe he was fucking with us, but I have some weird respect for a guy named Hoang Po, and he was trying to save us time, I thought. You know, he says, Jesus, hey, this will save you a lot of time on the game board. Whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. All right, thank you. It's unbelievable. Thanks so much. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. Why can't you? Because if you do, it'll be the way you disguise your own Buddhahood from yourself. That's why. That's why the Buddha can't seek the Buddha. Because you are the Buddha. What? Yeah. Not as Paul. Oh, Paul's a Buddha. No, Paul isn't a Buddha. Paul's working to attain Buddhahood. Paul's never going to fucking attain anything. Paul is presupposed and reinforced by the mental process called selfing. That's all it is. It's an activity. That's being what? Entertained by a mind. Yeah. It's having fun until he doesn't have any fun anymore. Then he goes, all right, fuck, I want to get out of this dream. But the dream itself, you see, it's a tricky, it's an awesome mind, so it's not going to be that easy in a sense, because it's got about 20 locks, you know, like a great mystery, you know, 20 locks or like 20 boxes in the one box. So you're going to now try to get out of the dream as that which is in the dream. Good luck. You get stymied there. So people who have done this Rubik's Cube before try to tell us, save us time. You think, you know, oh, oh, don't oh, you know. <laughs> To me, that's why I feel that it's the most compassionate thing of all time. Is they're trying to save us time, you in a way. All right, Paul. And then, so when you hear something like that, you can't, the Buddha, you know, you can't use the Buddha to seek a Buddha, doesn't it sort of <laughs> capture some of your story? I would think it captured a lot of mine. I had a lot of geography around the world had that as the template. The Buddha was seeking the Buddha in Thailand, in the, in the Himalayas, in here, in, you know, West, West Avenue in New York, was the Buddha was seeking the Buddha. 
and you can do it for eons and nothing's going to happen. Wow. He doesn't give you much room for hope, does he? <laughs> it isn't like, well, I haven't gotten good enough as the Buddha seeking the Buddha, find the Buddha. No, no, no. It ain't going to work, no matter how great, great you get at it. There'll be that stick-up that will cause the identification to seemingly stay in place. It's a tricky little thing to shake off because it's not there. You know? So when you're trying to shake it off, you're more in it than ever. That's its trick. It's like a predator prey, but in this case, the predator has the prey by the prey moving away from it. We're giving the relevance to the non-existent thing by trying to escape from it. Self can't get out of self, one of the greatest statements of recovery. Self can't get out of self. It explains tons of stuff. If you allow it to, yeah. It's like, almost, it's like putting a, like a search word into your little Google apparatus and seeing how much shit comes up when you look at self trying to get out of self. Whoa, fucking many, 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 many moments of all your days. All cataloged. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that, I remember I did that talk once in North Carolina and I was doing my little routine when I'm with spiritual seekers, you know, fucking trying to irritate, you know, trying to whatever, just screw with them basically. And so the guy, I, I thought I did a pretty good, you know, uh, presentation. So one of the guys says, well, can you give us an example of spiritual seeking? And I went, right, yeah! You just conveniently excluded yourself from what I've been talking about for an hour. This is what the head does, as the me. It'll be right in the mix, and it's thinking it's not in the mix. Somehow it has like a get-out-of-free-jail card constantly available when it's not getting out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was I really doing that? <laughs> you just signed up for a seven-day fucking event with 60 different people speaking. <laughs> with lousy food and bad accommodations. Yeah, I would say something's going on. <laughs> if I'm going to go on the retreat, it better be really called a vacation. <laughs> I want kayaking, sumptuous bacon, raw meals... You know, I want them to give me leisurely, relaxed yoga clothes. <laughs> I want everything padded. And most of my practices of Vanny are horizontal. I'm definitely a big, a big advocate of laying down Buddha, Buddhism. Yes, I'll do that all day. But don't fucking ask me to sit in a chair again for 13 hours. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Let's get to it, man. Just ask, call it a spade a spade. It's a vacation. How can a, you retreat from you if you're there? <laughs> really? How can a retreat really do the job when you're right in it the whole fucking time? The one thing they can't get out of the equation is the main agitating number of the equation. Yeah? That's the thing we always run into. We're, there, we're in the mix. Trying to change the mix completely to make it... But we're the, we're the agitating principle. <laughs> ha 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 
<laughs> That's right. Have you ever been able to extract you out of your life? Has anyone else ever seen your life? Have they really? Has that which is seen never not been seen in any one of your ever fucking days? No. That which is always so is the least acknowledged. We're built to recognize things that come and go. If you have a giant room of chalkboards, what you'll see is a, the one little dot put in one of them. You'll go to the thing and miss the whole space of it. That's why Japanese art is all about trying to point to the space with the flowers and the trees to get you that sense the space between the branches and the leaves. That space, because that's mine. That's, that's a, a, a clearer mimicking of what mine is like than anything else. That anything else that appears here this context that it appears in is the greatest mimicking of space, of mind. Yeah. So, yes. It can, it's all right to be unfettered, man. It is. It's all right to let the mind go. Yeah. You'll be here again. Yeah until you pass away. You're not going to lose yourself because there was never a self to lose. Yeah? Is a dog really, really free if it's got a leash on it and it can only smell what the master wants it to smell? It can only shit and piss where the person who owns it wants it to? Have you ever seen dogs that cramped up in the car and they get to the beach and you just open the door and fucking they just fly out and they're running there and they just go berserk. They're so fucking happy from all the containment that they've been released from. Haven't they? Really? It's mind-boggling. And if you have a Labrador, you better have one of those things that you can throw the ball with or your arm will fall off because you can throw it 800 times and it's as happy as it's ever fucking been. More happy than any human there at the whole beach. The Labrador's got more sense of immediacy than any of us. Yeah. The thinking system is not the parameter of you, of the mind. It's a very small, failed system, very tiny, yeah? Very, very tiny, surrounded by mind, in a sense. There is so much more exploring that the vehicle of thought can't take you to. If you give up the vehicle of thought by not letting the, your, your ticket be punched by the mind, the mind will be unfettered. It will start entertaining, not through thought. Yeah? And its information downloads won't be through thought. They may be used in thought to get something across, but they're not coming through thought. Yeah? There is a lot of 
access that we have, self-centeredness is just one frequency or one antenna. Yeah. When the mind expands out of this suit it's in, seemingly, you'll sense it. You'll sense the the unfurling of it. You'll sense the uh, you'll sense it. You'll sense. There'll be an intimation of it, and you'll get a and and its value in a way is 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 that it's the force of negation. From that point, you can negate all that it ain't. Yeah. Not in a fucking mental denial way, but in a very clear scalpel-like precision, you'll see everything will distill into "I'm not that." Yeah. Sat signs like this can trigger it. That's why we do them. You know, and they can help. It's like I was with my. Uh, friend's son, and we were at the skateboard park, and so we were on the, on the ledge with the little drop-in, and he was afraid, he had it all set up, but he wouldn't drop in, he was afraid, yeah, he was afraid to drop in, and so for a few times I said, man, just, just drop in, it's going to be fine, and he says, well, hold me, and everything like that, I said, well, just, and because I knew if he dropped in once, then he would just, that would be done. Now he'd be entertaining a lot more of the, of the skate parks, yeah? That one thing was keeping him from a vast amount of entertaining, yeah? He just didn't, because of the fear, the contraction. For some reason, he was, he was a very afraid to try it. And then, he, uh, then the mental state brought up the story, well, I haven't been skating that much this year, but he would have easily made it. And then there would be a new plateau. He would have all this, a much larger space to skate in, you know? He'd be able to see certain parks and go in there and where he's not being able to, you know what I mean? It was just one little, one little possibility. Instead of pledging allegiance to that contraction, that, that false sense of security by not doing anything, maybe, just maybe, you know, drop in, see, drop in and see. And then all the advertising of how terrible it will be will be undermined by your own event. You'll start sensing, you know. Or you might die. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you'll die. You'll, you know, you'll recognize that. Well, you don't even have to die. You're not that. But yeah, it was interesting to watch him. And I could see that, you know. Now the thing is limited, so we had to leave there and then go on a sidewalk and stuff like that, which is fine too. I said, hey, man, another day. You know, it's not like you've got to do it. Fuck, if you don't want to do it, don't do it, you know. But there's a possibility. I've seen it happen with me. I was, I went to the west coast of Australia, just as an example, because it's coming up. The west coast of Australia, and I'd never been there, and I'd never surfed, obviously, in the beaches, and my friend took me to a lot of beaches to surf, and I'd never surfed at any of them, which is a little scary. So this one we went to 
was worthy of being scarier a little bit. And I remember the day I'd be out there and I had the boogie board and I was on the lip, but I backed off a few times because I didn't, it didn't look, it looked scary. And then the one time I did it, the rest of the day I just enjoyed the waves. Yeah? Just needed that one little oomph. And then as soon as I saw I could do it, then it opened the whole, that whole beach became, instead of a harrowing, fear-producing event, it became incredibly pleasurable and exciting. Yeah? All again based on what? Not the beach. It was just an invitation, but on that, which is always what precedes everything else. So there you go.